This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. Today is a little bit of a sobering day. I am crossing a milestone in my life today, if you're listening to this in real time. And it's a big one. And I'm going to try to uh, not be emotional saying it. I've already had to (laughs) cancel the first recording and try again, Um, because even 10 years later, it's still really tender to me. And so 10 years ago today is when we actually delivered a stillborn baby, our fourth child, Kingston is his name. And, uh, you know, it feels like a lifetime ago in so many ways. But even talking about it and pausing to think about it really makes it feel like it just happened in a lot of ways. And, you know, normally I would just kind of move past this, you know, anniversary date and not talk about it much. But I actually know that quite a few of you guys who listen to the podcast regularly have found me through Googling or through researching, uh, searching for a podcast about miscarriage. And that's how you came into uh, my sphere. And so that's something that unites us and and bonds us. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, statistically, 33% of pregnancies end in a miscarriage at some point. And that means that one in three pregnancies, one in three. So if you know anybody that has more than three kids, the odds are very high that they have experienced a miscarriage. I'm blessed to know some women who have, you know, more than three kids and have not experienced that. So I don't say that in a fearful way, but I do bring it up because it's so much more common than we actually think. In my situation, I'll give you just a quick version of my story and you can read a lot more about it. Uh, I actually wrote my first book, which is called You'll Get Out of It When You Learn to Love It. It's available on Amazon if you're interested. And I talk a little bit about this process of overcoming and how the Lord healed me through um, what was actually an incredibly devastating experience in my life. But for us, we had a surprise pregnancy. Our fourth kid, uh, Jack, my third, was only four months old when I found out that I had gotten pregnant. Uh, I was terrified. I was mortified. I was shocked. And I was in complete denial. And then pretty quickly, that denial turned into this sort of ominous feeling that I fought tooth and nail in the spirit realm, right? I I rebuked every thought that something was going to go wrong because I was so shocked and I was so mortified and kind of embarrassed that I you know, was about to have four kids under five years old. Um, I don't know why I was, but I was at the time that I couldn't tell if it was the Holy Spirit prompting me as a warning or if it was just me and my emotions being crazy. And as it turned out, it was the Holy Spirit. And so four months into the pregnancy, I was 20 weeks. We went into our gender reveal ultrasound and we discovered that the baby didn't have a heartbeat. And that became just a whirlwind experience of being told you have to go in. You know, he had actually passed away about two and a half weeks before that. Um, And so he had been just sort of laying there lifeless inside of me without me knowing. My body wasn't uh, cluing into that. And so they said, you know, you've got to go to the hospital to go 
be induced to deliver this baby. And and I just remember like my brain broke when they said that. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I just, I was like, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. Like, what are, what are you saying? You know? And they said, no, you've got to come in. You've got to be induced. The baby has to come out. And I just remember like, it felt like the twilight zone, you know, I was having some sort of an out-of-body experience, like listening to the words, but not connecting with them. And my family was in Europe, and so they were trying to get back to be there with me. And so I ended up, you know, delaying a day. Long story short, we delivered a stillborn baby boy, and we named him Kingston Sparrow. And Kingston, actually, the name means Kingstown. And, you know, I actually woke up the morning that he was delivered, and uh, I had the name Kingston just resounding in my mind, and I felt like God was saying, this is his name to me. And so I went and looked it up, and lo and behold, finding out it means Kingstown. It was just so fitting, you know, because this little one is going to live his entire life in the Kingstown, like, wow, you know. And um, anyway, so we we delivered him and then we went through the process of healing from a stillbirth and it was a lot. It was a lot. And there are a few things that I have learned through this process that I want to share with you guys. And as you can hear, it's a little emotional for me thinking about it. Um, And that's okay. You know, I'm okay with being a little vulnerable for you guys today because I know that if one in three pregnancies is going to end in a miscarriage, then there's a secret society of empty armed women all over this world who need support. I remember sitting there about a week after this happened and I was telling God, I feel like I was initiated into this club, this empty arm women club that I never wanted to be a part of and I can't get out no matter how hard I try. These are my sisters now, you know, these are, this is my story. And for some of you, it's your story as well. I'm sorry, I'm trying so hard to to not be emotional, but I haven't actually thought about it in a while and sitting down and thinking about it kind of leads me to the first point that I have written down, which is this, that after you go through a miscarriage, you're never really the same, but that's okay. That's okay. And so if you're in the throes of a miscarriage right now, or if you know, you've been through one or you're about, I don't know if you're about to go through one, God forbid, I hope not. But if you find yourself needing this episode, just know you're not going to be the same, but it's okay. You will grow, you will emerge, and you will be different. And, you know, for me, it was incredibly sobering to know that something I could love so much could be gone. And I've, I've lost a grandpa and I've lost, you know, a pregnancy, but I haven't lost a lot of other people close to me. And so I don't know what it's like to grieve a child that was, you know, in your home. I don't know what it's like to grieve a spouse, but I know what it's like to grieve a dream. And, you know, I came across this meme and it's actually the, the, the longest saved photo in my photo library on my phone. And it says, you'll always be my favorite what if. And, uh, you know, you're not the same after you experience something like this, but it's okay. It's not a bad thing. It makes you who you are. You can go back on this podcast and find other episodes where I've talked about miscarriage and I've kind of gone into other types of details I'm not going to talk about today of, you know, even just some of the challenges that you experience when you've lost a baby. Um, But I want to give you two practicals today. If you are experiencing this, if you've experienced a miscarriage and you've never done these two things, I highly recommend it's not too late to do them. And if you know someone that is going through a miscarriage or you become friends with somebody, you know, if this like stow this for your future, because 
These are incredibly helpful things that a lot of people miss because our culture doesn't deal with death very well. You know, our American culture, it's like the second you die, we whisk you away to a funeral home or to a morgue or something like that. And, and there's a, a big disconnect in our ability to deal with death. And so one of the things I highly recommend is this name your baby, name your baby. You might be saying to me, well, Rachel, how can I name this baby? I, I miscarried at six weeks or seven weeks or, you know, what have you. And, and I didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl or I don't even know if it was a blighted ovum. Like, I don't know. Name that pregnancy. Name the baby. Because if nothing else but for you, you need to remember that it's real, that it actually happened. See, a lot of times what we do is we kind of gaslight ourselves, you know, we gaslight ourselves into thinking that maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it wasn't true, but like your body knows that it's true. So even if you never tell anybody the name, you know, even if you never talk about it, um, name the baby in your own heart. And it's, I just think that's really important. You know, in addition to naming the baby, I like to pick an imagery related to it. So for me, you know, we named our son Kingston Sparrow. And so birds became like a real theme for me. I don't even like birds. In fact, I was attacked by a bird a couple years ago on a jog at a park. And uh, it was kind of traumatizing, to be honest. I'm, I have like a little bit of bird PSD when I'm around flocks of birds now. But there was something about the imagery of a bird that really mattered to me. So if you're in my home or you're, you know, in places that like my office and stuff like that, you'll usually see a little bird somewhere in there. I don't draw attention to it, um, but it's just a reminder to me, you know, that I have this child that's not with me. I have this child that I don't know. I have this child that's being raised by God. And uh, and it's important to me. And even within that, you know, we have an ornament on our Christmas tree. We actually, we have a couple now that I've collected over the years that are Kingston's ornaments. And so nobody knows it. If you look at my tree, they're not obvious. I mean, probably now if you come to my house, if, if I know you in real life and you look at my Christmas tree and you see a bird, you'll be like, oh, that's what that's there for, you know? Um, but there will always be a bird on my tree and there will always be a crown, which represents represents the Kingstown. Uh, and I actually have quite a few of them. And, uh, and it matters to me every Christmas when I bring out the ornaments, you know, and, and my kids, they know this happened, but they were all way too young and Grace wasn't even born yet to know, um, you know, to understand this. And so they, they kind of just think it's a regular ornament too, but I know. I know that this baby is carrying with me this life, you know, is continuing on in our life, at least in some degree. And so I cannot encourage you enough to name your baby. You don't have to get a tattoo. You don't have to, you know, make it permanent, but just do something that for you makes it real and makes you connected to it. And the second suggestion I have for you, and this one's kind of challenging. Maybe, maybe I have a bonus one. So I've got two more. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Talk about this little one's life. You know, maybe even it's just in your marriage. Like one of the things that's really difficult when spouses uh, experience the grief of a miscarriage is that it's rarely in sync. It's like the mother and the father will grieve at different times, you know, and I know for Grant and I, like he would be really grieving when I had kind of found a, a moment of peace and, and sort of acceptance about it. And then when I was really hurting, he was usually in a place where he was feeling kind of acceptance about it. And so it was difficult to be each other's support system. It's difficult for men to grieve a miscarriage because that life wasn't inside of them. I'm not saying they don't grieve it and it doesn't affect them because it really, really does. Um, but it is a little bit different. And so, you know, it's okay to know that, um, that talking about it might not always feel satisfying, 
but I think you should do it. If you're a woman listening to this, I encourage you to find other women who've had miscarriage and share your stories together because we are in this society of empty armed, you know, this club we can't get out of. And it's very healing to know that you're not alone. In fact, you're not only not alone, you're a part of a multitude of women who just aren't talking about it. And I get it. I mean, for me, it's been 10 years. And so I don't want to talk about it all of the time. You know, I'm kind of at a place in my life where it's never not in my mind, but it's also not on my mind all the time. And I'm okay with that. I actually like that. I feel like I've been able to move forward some. Um, But find people around you that you can share openly and share your feelings with. Because again, you're not just grieving the loss of, you're grieving the loss of a loved one. And to a lot of other people, it may feel more like you're grieving the loss of a dream but both are really, really significant. And the last thought I've got for you before I want to share one other thing, but you know, not everybody's going to understand. Not everybody's going to understand the way that you're grieving. And if you lost a baby that farther along in the pregnancy, it is just a grueling, awful experience. And I wish I could sugarcoat it, but there's not, there's no sugar that comes to this. Like when you go into a hospital to deliver a baby, you know, but the baby stays in the hospital and and, and you come home. Like, like I, I remember walking out of the hospital and they were, you know, preparing the body for burial and all of this stuff. And I remember leaving and I had this like guttural, horrific sensation that I was leaving alone. You know, there's no carrier that my husband's carrying behind me as they wheel you out to the car with your flowers or balloons or whatever in your overnight bag. No, it was just emptiness. And it's its own kind of grief. And not everybody's going to understand that. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with sort of the loneliness that comes with grieving a miscarriage. Because if you don't accept the lonely road with it, then you won't truly grieve. I heard this quote, and I'm going to butcher it because I didn't look it up before I'm saying this to you, but there's this quote that talks about grief being like this wave or this, you know, um, presence. And I'm not, I don't mean that in a spiritual way, but like just this, this, uh, let's call it like an attendant to your life that shows up and doesn't let you go until you've truly grieved. And it sneaks up on you and it surprises you and it startles you, right? I mean, I literally, when I prepared this podcast, did not intend on being emotional. You get triggered still to think about it, but not everybody's going to understand it. And I know for me, the way that I found true healing was when I accepted that I was going to have to do it alone with Jesus, that it was going to be a lonely grieving process, that nobody else was going to be able to validate me, even my husband. And that's okay. Uh, If you've read my newest book, Goodness Culture, you know that I'm a huge fan of the play Les Miserables and uh, the musical. And there's a line in there after the battle is over and all of these young men die. And there's this song and it says, there's a grief that can't be spoken. And, you know, I really feel like with miscarriage in particular, there's this grief that can't be spoken because a lot of women feel really guilty grieving something that other people didn't really connect with as real. A lot of women really struggle with feeling like like ashamed that they're still grieving two, three, four, five months down the road when the due date comes and everybody else around you has forgotten because it's been so long in their world. But for you, it is poignant and real and present. There's this grief that almost can't be spoken and it's lonely. But I am here to tell you, friends, do not avoid it. Don't gaslight yourself. Don't ignore it. 
allow it to do its work. Allow it to do its work. You might need to turn on a sad song, you know? For me, I had really connected with this idea of having four kids in my life. I didn't know that I wanted four kids, but after I had a fourth pregnancy, I was like, okay, we're doing this. And then there was this enormous vacuum. And if you know the ages of my kids, you know there's a five-year spread between Jack, my third, and Grace, my fourth child. And you notice how I said that. She's my fourth child. She's not my fourth baby, but she's my fourth child. And to be honest with you, after she was born, you know, actually, I wasn't going to have any more kids. It was pretty traumatic. And the farther our life went on, the more I just thought, I don't know if I have the spiritual strength to handle going through a pregnancy after that kind of a loss. And I actually bought one of those at-home baby heart monitor things, and I would check in every day because, you know, when you know that your baby died for weeks before you found out, it's it's a pretty daunting thing to to wrap your mind around. And uh, I remember every single day in the shower, I've talked about this before, but every day when I would take a shower, I would cup my hands under the water and I would let the water fill up in my hands and I would tell the Lord, this is all my fear right here. This is my fear of what's going to happen to this baby, of how I'm going to be as a mother. Am I even going to be present in this birth? Like all of these things. And then I would just pour the water out and I would say, I'm giving it to you. This is my sacrifice today. You can have my fear, God. And I'm choosing to trust you that you brought me through what was the darkest time of my life and you will bring me through it again if, God forbid, it happens again. And, you know, Grace was born and she was perfect and she was healthy and and it was amazing. And after a few months, I found myself really at a crossroads. And I know other women don't always feel this way. But for me, I'm just this weird black and white kind of person. And I'm a truth person in, in like to a fault, you know, like I really cannot handle sweeping things under the rug. I can't I don't know. I, I it's an issue. I'm, I, I don't know what to do with it. But I was telling God one day, I said, God, I feel like I don't know how to connect with this perfect, beautiful gift of a baby, this grace that you've given me. Her name is Grace Pearl because she is a prize, you know, she's the prize from the grid. Sorry. And, uh, Anyhow, I was telling the Lord, like, I don't know how to connect with her. Something inside of me just keeps looking at her and thinking you wouldn't even exist if Kingston had lived, you know, and you only understand what I'm talking about if you've been there. And the reason why I'm choosing to sort of bear this part of my soul with you is because you need to know you're not alone. And I'm not going to tell you in this episode how the Lord healed me of that. But he did. He healed me dramatically and he brought a closure and a, a sense of purpose for everything that had happened to me. And he brought me to this place where almost in a moment I was healed and I was able to connect with grace in a way that I had wanted to and thought, you know, that and I had with all of my other children. It wasn't anything she was experiencing. It was inside of me. And I just tell you that as a testimony that if you're experiencing something similar Do not let go of the Holy Spirit until he blesses you, until he helps you. Ask the spirit of understanding for help. Ask the spirit of might to break off the tragedy and the trauma that lingers in your soul. Ask God to meet with you so that you can move forward with these blessings that are in your life and not be held up forever uh, in a spiral that is very, very difficult to overcome. So here we are 10 years later. I am a completely different person than I was 10 years ago, and I'm good with that. I'm thankful even, 
You know, what I see now when I look back on my life is that that baby, Kingston, was a catalyst to me in so many ways. He was a a come-to-Jesus moment for me. His pregnancy was a come-to-Jesus moment when I realized that I wasn't being the kind of mother I always thought I would be, and he caused me to rise up. And then his passing was another come-to-Jesus moment where I realized if I don't deal with this, I will be stunted for the rest of my life, and I cherish this child of mine, and I cannot wait to meet him, to thank him for all that he's brought into my life through the difficulty, because it forced me to go to Jesus in a way that I didn't know how before. So ladies and gentlemen who might be listening to this, who've experienced it, those of you that are have been initiated into this club with me that we all want out so badly but we've already paid our dues and it's a lifetime membership. For those of you that are in it with me, you are not alone and you can move forward and you can believe God. And I know that it doesn't always look like, you know, natural children on the back end, right? A lot of times it looks like adoption or fostering or, you know, changing the dream that you always had held on to. I don't know how God will meet you in that place, but I know he will meet you. And I know if you let him, he will hold you through it. I love you guys. Thank you for those of you guys that feel compelled to pray for me after listening to me stumble through this episode. Uh, I appreciate you. And if you know somebody that's struggling with a miscarriage and you think this would be helpful for them, please don't hesitate to reach out and send this to them. It's uh, I actually regularly get messages from women who found my previous episode on miscarriage, and I'm hoping that this one becomes a blessing to you as well. I love you guys. Until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com.